0: And you are currently listening to Timeline Transcript, a humble podcast on NFG that will go over gaming's most trivial and hard-to-understand video game timelines. Our first series is none other than the brainchild of Hideo Kojima himself, Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear has been around longer than I have been alive, and honestly, I'm still determining how anyone can develop the concepts and ideas for the series in general. Hideo Kojima himself is really a mind ahead of his time. Now, I want to iterate that I've never played or heard of any Metal Gear games before joining this podcast, but I'm so happy that I have. I've poured my emotions into these games, and I'm very pleased to be involved with the thousands to millions of fans who love Metal Gear Solid. Now, To reiterate, I have played all the games for this podcast and I will cover them as much as I can from every installment in the canon timeline, covering the ones in the timeline that are considered canon, which the timeline stems from 1964 all the way to 2012. This means that I won't be covering any games that might seem as dubious canon or canon spinoffs or not canon at all. I'm sorry for everyone who loves Metal Gear Rising Revengeance or Metal Gear Rising in general. I'm unfortunately not going to be covering that, but at some point, maybe. I want to also iterate that this is not a spoiler-free territory podcast, so if you haven't seen or played any Metal Gear games, go. Please, you won't be dissatisfied or disappointed. They're really, really good in the way that they are made. So, I am ready to cover all of this as well, and we will be going over the timelines and some of the smaller bits of information sprinkled throughout the games as we go, along with me inserting my own anecdotes and stories from time to time. Playing the game has an outside source. Once again, I have never played the games personally, I've never seen any videos, I've not looked up any guides, and once I finished all the games, that's when I began my extensive research to write everything that I played. It's a lot. Now then, once again, kept you waiting, huh? First game that we're going to cover in the long-awaited series is none other than what people consider to be the greatest Metal Gear game ever made and also what people consider one of the general need-to-haves on the PS2, PS3, and other systems going forward. And it also is currently getting a remaster for the new system known as the PS5, and that is Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Oh, what a thrill. Metal Gear Solid 3 was released in the fall season of November 17th, 2004. It's the third installment of the franchise that is regarded highly for its groundbreaking storytelling and breathtaking setting. Let me just say, as a history nerd, as a person who is also going to college to be a history teacher, the series does its best to stick with its guns and relate to real-world events. The story is open to what it tries to tell, But what it tells is to keep itself inside the universe that it generally stays in. The world of Metal Gear Solid is based on keeping itself grounded in the real world. Regardless, before we can even get into the actual story of Metal Gear Solid, Snake Eater, we must go over what happens before it genuinely even begins. A light appetizer before we dip into the main course. In 1962, a Soviet scientist named Nikolai Stepanovich Sokolov sought to defect from the United States, fearing that the Russian Soviets would have gotten a hold of his work and used it for malicious reasons. Sokolov then approaches the CIA with a man named Major Zero, whom we will learn about a lot more later. He chooses to help Sokolov, and tries to get his family out of Russia. He and his family do their best to escape Russia. Unfortunately, this would not happen because of the Cuban Missile Crisis that happens on October 28th. Nikita Khrushchev, who became the leader of Soviet Russia after the death of Joseph Stalin, chose to remove the missiles from Cuba only if they had Sokolov return to the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, the CIA returned Sokolov to the Soviet Union, but Major Zero found a way to keep Sokolov's family in American hands, safe from harm. These embers would soon spark a mission known as Virtuous Mission, which would occur two years later. I haven't lost you yet, have I? Well, buckle up, because there's a lot more to understand and go from. It's very complicated. Listen, I understand. I played the games, and I've also written as much of the information as I could. I just hope that I can get some sympathy. We know the plot of the game so far, but let's dive into the story of our main protagonist, Naked Snake. He was born in 1935 with the name. John, later recorded as joining the military in the 1950s, and in his time in the military, he became close to a titular figure that would envelop everything in his life, and it revolved around him even until his demise, the Boss. She was regarded as America's most outstanding soldier during World War II, when she led the Cobra Unit during the Battle of Normandy. John would grow alongside the boss as her disciple. While training with her, he developed skills that no other soldier had ever learned. They even created a fighting style that even more military units would use for everyday use in that time as well as the future. Close Quarters Combat John grew to appreciate the boss and saw them as a mother figure, but unfortunately, they would go their separate ways on June 12, 1959. Before this, though, a moment would change Snake's life forever. In 1954, Snake was involved at Bikini Atoll for the Bikini Atoll tests. The test was the first airborne hydrogen bomb. John would be examined to see if he had developed any symptoms of leukemia or thyroid cancer, but he seemed perfectly fine, except he was rendered sterile, which means that he couldn't have any children. Once again, it's a lot to take in, but let me assure you that this is just the tip of the iceberg. We still need to get into the actual game, but it's all just buildup. So let's break for a little moment and discuss what I felt like researching for this while looking for a game to get into. While I was looking for a game to get into as a series to talk about, I was looking at games that had some of the most unconventional timelines and the most weird stories that could have ever been brought into actual media. So, I sought for games like Kingdom Hearts or any other game with a complex history like Assassin's Creed or anything else like that. But my father, my own flesh and blood, he told me to cover Metal Gear. My father is a retired Special Forces Army veteran who engaged in conflicts in Kuwait and Afghanistan. I found it kind of off-putting that my father, who spent most of his time fighting in war, would tell me to cover a game known as Metal Gear Solid. Which is kind of odd, because I see my dad as the most macho and American man I know. Why would he ask me to cover a game, let alone a video game? He's very against games as a whole. But either way, I listened and I started to engage in learning about Metal Gear. Now I understand why my father told me to get into it. It's something deeper, something that he understood. So this is kind of for my dad. Thanks dad, love you. (laughs) Anywho, back to the topic at hand. After the Cuban Missile Crisis, the CIA initiated the Virtuous Mission, which appeared to happen in 1964. This is where the legend begins. A tale that spans 50 years without true peace. I hope I got you all excited to learn more because this story is about to get more and more epic as we continue. I sure as hell am ready, I don't know about anybody else, I hope you got your snacks and your popcorn because this isn't good shit. Before I dip into the actual game though, I want to talk about getting ready to play this game. While researching for myself about 50 plus hours of gameplay for maybe even research purposes, I was there with my brother. My brother was with me to help give me company and uh, help me with ideas. My brother and me talked a lot, but the first thing we talked about was the name itself. Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. What did Snake Eater mean? What was so driven about the name that made us think about it? The first thing that we talked about was just the name, and that's all we talked about. My brother Hayden, a secret genius, gave me some insightful thoughts that the Snake Eater could even be about. I personally thought the title for the game was implying that Eva... A character in the game who gets close to Snake would deceive him and have to, like, off him for information. Or it could have meant it was the boss. The boss was a person who was eating at Snake's psyche and this mission was going to eat away at him. And either one of those, yeah, they could be true, but my brother sought a more like spiritual answer, something more beyond that, I don't know. But he basically told me that the name Snake Eater could represent the Ouroboros, the serpent that constantly eats its own tail, meaning infinity. My brother was implying that this was the beginning of the series from a timeline standpoint, which means it's the beginning of a never ending chain of events. When I heard that, my head exploded because I would have never thought about that. But it's so true. For any of my veterans who has played Metal Gear, you would understand. I didn't know whenever I was first playing it, but my head's exploded and I still can't get it out of my mind. Now let's talk about the actual game itself. First and foremost, every Metal Gear game has excellent voice acting, from the main protagonist all the way to the extras in the background. The moment we get into the game, we are precisely set in the year 1964. Snake himself is jumping out of a plane, and it's implied that Snake is the first person to do a halo jump, which is super odd because in the real world, the first halo jump wasn't done until the 1970s, distinctly 1970. It's still fascinating, but I don't understand how this alternate world could have so much more advanced stuff than the world that we currently live in. Anyway, upon starting the game, we get introduced to a group that's helping Naked Snake on his mission, Fox, otherwise known as Force Operation X. First, we have Major Zero, the same Major Zero who was helping Sokolov and his family. He is the commanding officer for this mission and he would keep tabs on Snake, ensuring he was getting through the mission successfully. Then we have Paramedic, a medical advisor of the mission who was to help him make sure he had support whenever he needed medical advice or insight on how animals tasted in the general area. Yes, in the game, snake needs to eat animals in the woods. I apologize if anybody is squeamish because of that. She is also used to save the game and give a lot of different information about different types of films during the time period. It's honestly kind of perplexing because when I was first playing the game, out of nowhere, Paramedic gives me this insightful comment about Godzilla. And I was just trying to save my game, and I was doing something else completely while also playing the game, and I heard something about Godzilla. I look up to my screen, and there's just Paramedic talking about Godzilla films, and I'm like, where, why, when did this happen? (laughs) Anyway, we have another figure, which is named Sigint. Sigint is a weapons expert who can provide Snake with the knowledge about some of the weapons he can find and tell him about camouflage that works best in specific environments. These would be Snake's eyes and ears for this mission, which he would desperately need considering he needs to find all the gear OSP which in military terms means on-site procurement. This is also where John would get his name, Naked Snake, because he had no gear on a rifle. Along with them, there was another, it was the boss. Now, I want to tell you all that Snake hasn't seen the boss in a while. So much so that he even memorized how long he hasn't seen her. Snake says it's been five years, 72 days and 18 hours. I find it funny how he kept up with how long they've been gone from each other. They talk, and Snake begins his mission by sneaking deep into the forest of Seleniar's USSR. The gameplay at this point is what you would expect from a normal, typical Metal Gear title. It could be better in terms of controls, sure, but what it makes it for in controls is how the game mechanics actually work. Small things, like how the enemy can hear you, or how you can throw a snake at an enemy to distract them. There are unique touches that the games don't have, but nevertheless, the game plays fine once you get the hang of the controls. When I first played, I'm not gonna lie to you, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like a chicken with his head cut off, and once I got the hang of it, I really did get the hang of it. Snake continues his mission until he gets to his objective, where he can locate Sokolov and talk to him. They talk briefly and talk about him extracting him and taking him back to the United States. By the way, I did say that the CIA was the ones that told them that this mission was going to go, but I really don't think that they did, because Major Zero implies that if this mission was found out, then it would mean bad repercussions for not just them, but for Snake and practically the whole world. If the whole world found out about this mission, it would mean really bad stuff a lot of it would be bad. So it was supposed to be super secret, so much so that they would be charged as war criminals if it was found out. Either way, Sokolov and Snake talk briefly before they get ambushed by Gru, otherwise known as... By the way, I apologize if I butcher this, but if there's anybody that wants to teach me how to pronounce it, that would be much appreciated. Gru, otherwise known as... That was a mouthful of words, but... That supposedly is supposed to mean Made Intelligence Directorate, as well as basically they're supposed to be a big directorate for like main intelligence, but they also do specialize in combat. As they are attacked, Snake meets a significant feature that will be present from not just this game, but every game going forward. He's a major character, so keep him in mind, Major Ocelot, or just Ocelot, as well as getting to ambushed by other soldiers from Gru. Ocelot and Snake engage into a scuffle. That makes Ocelot and his men lose, because the thing about Ocelot that I love in the game is that he does way too much. Especially in this game, he does way too much. His sidearm gets cramped with the bullet, because he does not know how to control his weapon well. And because of these theatrics, he ends up getting his sidearm taken by Snake, and then Snake... Disarms him completely, and then he also disperses of his other soldiers that are in his little platoon. And it's honestly kind of funny watching Snake take care of, like, all of these men by himself. Nevertheless, Snake then compliments him after he loses the fight, but also teaches him. And he says these distinct words. I'm gonna do my little voice acting chops, I apologize. You ejected the first bullet to hand, didn't you? I saw what you were trying to do, but testing a technique you've only heard in the middle of battle wasn't very smart. You were asking to have your gun jam on you. Besides, I don't think you're cut out for automatically in the first place. You tend to twist your elbow and absorb the recoil. It's more of a revolver technique. After this, Ocelot tries to attack him. But again, he fails. Snake dispatches him and then compliments him again. But that was some pretty fancy shooting. You're pretty good. I want you all to remember this because this scene right here, this scene where he says you're pretty good is imperative for the series here on out. Snake and Sokolov regroup after that scuffle was through, and they slowly return to the extraction zone, only briefly taking a moment to breathe. Before then, they run into a giant mechanized looking weapon on top of a cliffside. Sokolov discloses to Snake that the weapon they were telling him to make was on top of that cliff. It's the same weapon that's on that cliff. It was called the Shagohod. It's a weapon that could fire off nuclear IRBMs from low-range terrain. It's a mobile operational tank, capable of working with only one person inside of it. Sokolov tells Snake that it still needs to be finished, but it will be finalized once the weapon advances to Stage 2. Sokolov tells Snake that if the weapon is finished, it will be the end of the Cold War, yay, but instead it will start another World War. Oh no! <laughs> As they cross the bridge, trying to escape and get to the extraction point, Snake had to walk across this bridge, and this bridge is really rickety by the way, and Sokolov looks over the edge and he gets terrified. As they walk over this bridge, they run into some resistance. It's none other than the boss. The boss. His mentor. The lady that was supposed to be not here. I want to reiterate, I should have said this before, but she wasn't supposed to be here. She wasn't even in that plane. She was far off in a submarine away from the mission zone, but she was supposed to be here helping with the mission, and she was just gone. I don't know how the hell she ended up here, but she ended up here. It's one of those weird things that I just wasn't expecting. Now, this confuses Snake because, like I said, she is not supposed to be here. The boss tells Snake that Sokolov needs to be taken back with her. Then Snake and Sokolov get attacked by a swarm of hornets. Sokolov gets taken by a decently large helicopter with a group inside of it. This is where we meet the other members of the Cobra unit. The same Cobra unit that helped fight in the Battle of Normandy. We meet the fear, the pain, and the end. It's not all of the members, but some of them. It does start to rain after they do take Sokolov into the helicopter. And this is where we're introduced to the Sorrow, who's a ghost. Why? We will get to know more about him later. But after the rain and it clears up, we run into Colonel Volgan. A Russian with the odd ability to conduct electricity from his body. (laughs) Now, what did little old me think about when I saw all of this being played out? And I am playing as Snake, who has nothing more than a tranquilizer gun and a knife to his name to fight against all these enemies. What I was thinking, if I was Snake in that moment, the first thing I would be thinking is, what the fuck? What the hell is going on? This is just a short distance into the game, and we're witnessing unbelievable feats of powers that both Snake and the player has never seen. And this is supposed to be the first game in the timeline. It's also excellent foreshadowing to see all the villains in the game and understanding the ways that you have to fight them going forward. Snake is confused and asks the boss, what are they on about? He's wondering what is happening. The boss then elaborates that she is defecting from the United States to join the Russians to finish making the Shagohad. She's also carrying some hazardous cargo that Volgan takes, a recoilless nuclear warhead and its launcher. Volgen then asks if the boss is going to take Snake and make them come with them or not. But she says that Snake doesn't have any motion to carry him into battle. When I was thinking about this, because I feared what the enemy's names were, there's the fear, the pain, and the end. All of them have some sort of correlation to emotions, and it's really odd. So for that, Snake engages in combat, only to have his firearm dismantled and his arm broken from the elbow to his hand. Snake is left to fall on the ground in pain. Volgan then says that Snake has seen his face and he can't be left alive. But the boss then speaks up and says that she will take care of Snake. And she starts attacking Snake again, saying that her disciple was the only one that she will adequately take care of. He's her disciple, and she's going to take care of him. So Snake winces in pain, and he gets hit in the stomach, and as he winces in the stomach, the boss pivots his weight and throws him off the bridge. As he's being thrown off the bridge, though, he does take her bandana off of her head. And this isn't just some regular rinky-dinky bridge, by the way. This is a one-to- hundred foot from the ground below river running fast underneath the bridge this is a very tall bridge and she throws him over the bridge and he lands into the river only for his body to wash up miles away from the actual bridge kind of okay he's not completely fine he's kind of messed up emotionally physically spiritually he's messed up but that has to suck and honestly, speaking about this now and learning about all the facts that I'm going to know forward, as of right now, and the age he is, as of right now, in the future we're going to learn a lot more, but as of right now, this is Snake's lowest moment. He has lost his surrogate mother, and she made his many years of training look like nothing more than a waste of time. It also makes her look like an imposing force to be reckoned with. What makes this worse is that she tossed him away, literally and metaphorically, as if he didn't mean anything at all to her. But anyway, Snake awakens miles away from what happened, and the boss took care of him and threw him into the lake. But Snake wakes up, and he looks at all of his wounds, he calls everyone at Fox through his like little radio, and he tells Major Zero and everyone else about the boss's betrayal of her country. This perplexes the group because they have yet to learn why she would do anything like this. They didn't suspect that she was going to. Meanwhile, the group of rebel helicopters, the same ones that attacked Snake and took Sokolov, they also have this new cargo of this nuclear weapon that they have, as well as another like person inside the helicopters. Inside the helicopters, they have this woman who was supposedly supposed to be the wife of Sokolov, and we'll learn more about her later when we get into the operation known as Operation Snake Eater. But right now, we're getting to the tail end of Virtuous Mission. Now, as they are flying off, Colonel Volgan has this malicious thought in his head and he starts acting upon it. He loads a nuclear missile into the firing launcher itself. By the way, Ocelot's back here and he's in the helicopter with them. So he's also working with this group. And he sees Volgan loading this warhead into this launcher and Ocelot tells Volgan not to do it that there's going to be horrible repercussions for his actions if for the things he's about to commit and he tries his best to stop Volgan but Volgan won't listen and he still acts upon his instincts Volgan then goes out the side door of the helicopter and fires the nuclear warhead he fires it straight into the distance and his target is Sokolov's research facility he was thinking that, because of this, the Russians would go under pressure due to Khrushchev to fire a nuclear strike. Essentially, Volgan was attempting to stage a coup with the Russian government. Meanwhile, a somewhat healed and beaten and broken naked snake is lying on a tree, cracking his arm back into place. He lays back and awaits to be rescued by Fox, only to see a massive nuclear explosion off the distance. This couldn't be any better. Once Snake was rescued and brought back to the United States, he was taken immediately to the ICU and detained for questioning by the American government for the involvement of the boss's defection from the United States. Snake would be suspected so much that they would have considered executing them. Unfortunately, both sides of the world learned about Virtuous Mission, and Russia and America both tried to talk and handle the situation without causing extreme bloodshed from both their countries. Along with Snake being questioned, multiple agents of the CIA were put under house arrest, thinking that other non-savory members would have also acted just like the boss did. Ultimately, Major Zero finally came to talk to Snake about his recovery, and he also gave him his sympathies, but Snake thought that it was just going to be more bad news. Fortunately, Zero was there to tell Snake about the talks between Nikita Khrushchev and Lyndon B. Johnson. Johnson had told Fox that they had one shot at making this right. They needed to kill the boss to prove that America had no involvement with the attack and that it was staged by Russia. If they fail, they will all be executed. Everyone in Fox will all be executed. Also, if they did fail, the Americans would be threatened by nuclear retaliatory strikes. And the only man that was capable of doing this job was Snake. Why? To prove that Americans had no involvement. They had to use the boss's only disciple to take her out to make sure it was truly believable. The person that she had trained from the very beginning of his military career had to be the one to kill the boss, his surrogate mother. After that, the flame had struck with virtuous mission and it was finally time To start with Operation Snake Eater. I just want you all to know that I have a lot more on the way when it comes to Metal Gear. I can't wait to tell you more about what's going on in the series. And this is just the first part of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. I have so much more planned and there's so much more to go over. I can't wait. And also, I just want to let you guys know, remember, you're pretty good.
1: For more information about the podcast, the host, or our parent company, please visit the link in this episode's description. Also visit us on YouTube and Rumble to see and hear every content produced by Alger Productions. Thank you once again for your time and support. Until next time, stay tuned and stay inspired.